You are listening to the Daily Homily for Magdala in the Holy Land. Since the Passover of the Jews was near, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple area those who sold oxen, sheep, and doves, as well as the money changers seated there. He made a whip out of cords and drove them all out of the temple area with the sheep and oxen and spilled the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who sold doves, he said, take these out of here and stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples recalled the words of scripture. Zeal for your house will consume me. At this, the Jews answered and said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Therefore, when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they came to believe the scripture and the word Jesus had spoken. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We have a very rich menu of readings, and all of them would take a homily, including the psalm. The waters of the river gladden the city of God, the holy dwelling of the Most High. And we have in the first reading also the image of water flowing out from under the altar. And obviously in these climes, which are rather desertic and very low rainfall, the presence of water is a huge blessing and essential for life. And to see the water coming out from under the altar is a great gift for the people and a gift for the land. And it renews the Dead Sea, the Salty Sea. It would be nice to go into all of the geography that's involved in this particular segment of chapter 47 of Ezekiel, the water coming out in the north, and then the angel takes him around to the east side, and the, the gates in front of the temple, and then he sees the water coming out, and then he goes down along the Kidron Valley to the Dead Sea. All of you who have been pilgrims know those landscapes which are so arid, the Arabah and then how arid the Dead Sea itself is, how lifeless and, in a way, poisonous life cannot survive there, although there are some little nuances to, to mention in that regard. And so the gift of fresh water that's able to turn poisoned land into a freshwater land with more sea than the Mediterranean so this is the promise of chapter 47 in Ezekiel. And there we see a great blessing. In other countries, water would be a problem because there's too much rain. 
But here you have to understand the imagery is speaking to a people within their own experience. And so the water that comes from the temple, we have then two other texts here, the gospel, where the big statement really is, destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. And there we see then that the temple in Jerusalem, such a holy place, which Jesus also treated with the utmost respect and that his passion for it, which consumes him, in, as the quotation here mentions, uh, indicates its importance. But then there's a whole other level of temple in the fact that the eternal word of God is dwelling in him. He is the eternal word of God in flesh, and so he is truly the temple. And it's also interesting to notice that the disciples didn't understand his words on the first hearing. It took a long process of going further along in his passion, death, and resurrection to begin to gather the import of his words. And that should prompt us also to be very patient with people who need process. We all need to process the gift of God, the presence of God, the word of God. We need time. Sometimes we need hard knocks, the school of hard knocks, to open our mind, our heart, to receive the word in all its richness. And we all continue growing in the word. And so we should have a lot of compassion for those who cannot affirm the truth of the statements of Jesus and give them time, give them, be patient with them. And each one has a tremendous treasure. Imagine Saul persecuting the Christians and what a temple of God he became for many communities across the Mediterranean. And even for us to this day, giving us the word of God in such abundance in all of his letters and in his preaching, first of all. So there we have uh, an extraordinary uh, revolution, if you will, a completely total upgrade, a whole new level of understanding God's temple on this earth. And then there's one more step in St. Paul's uh, reflections today in the Corinthians letter. And there he says, you are the temple of God, speaking to all of the baptized. And the Holy Spirit dwells in you, so you are a temple, a living temple of God. This is very, very uh, powerful idea. Uh, another level of revolution. <clears throat> it's not just the Messiah, the eternal word made flesh, that's the temple of God, but we ourselves as baptized uh, are the temple of God. And if Jesus could be so zealous for the purity of the physical temple of stones in Jerusalem, how much more is Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father zealous of our purity, of our cleanliness, of our propriety, of our decoration? The way God looks and never forgets us. He created us to be an eternal glory. And here in this earth, we embody him, literally embody. And especially when we have the fullness of communion in Christ's mysteries to receive the Eucharist, imagine that gift of being God's temple. And again, a great call to all those who may be abandoned going to mass with the community to return to receive Christ in this way. 
And there take, that takes us to another point, uh, why we have this celebration today on the 9th of November, and um, not so much the date as the, which will have its reasons also, but particularly the whole idea of having a feast day with Gloria and two readings uh, to underscore the importance of the celebration of a cathedral in Rome which is the cathedral of the Bishop of Rome, not St. Peter's, that came much later. And St. John Lateran is actually a functioning institution uh, since Constantine's time. That's an extraordinary reality in itself, but that's not the reason why it's so celebrated. The reason is almost, first of all, like your own parish church, there you receive the sacraments, and that's a very special place when you go and get baptized. When you go and receive the sacraments, and you go to gather every, every Sunday with the community to celebrate the mystery of Christ. And we are so blessed. We're drinking from the water coming from the altar, from the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, from the grace pouring out of heaven at that altar. And then we, and we're instructed in the word of God right there in that place. So our parish church is a very precious place. We might like some little shrine here or some little convent chapel there, but our parish church for the community that gathers there every Sunday is a very special place and is usually honored on a special day each year in the patron saint's day, for example. So uh, that's a starting point to understand and appreciate the importance of what the next step is, the cathedral. So the cathedral in a diocese is very important. And maybe many of you who are following here, I'm not sure, <laughs> I imagine it's easier for, for Kerry here who did the readings, a volunteer from Washington to have visited the cathedral in Washington. But how many Catholics may not have even have ever visited their own cathedral? And we have probably lost sight and sensitivity to the great value of the cathedral. And the word cathedral comes from cathedra. And cathedra is the Latin word for chair. And this, in the Christian tradition, goes back to the chair of Moses. And so it's the point where the teaching of God's word reaches his people. And they sit on the chair of Moses. We had that text very recently in Matthew chapter 23. And to the cathedral is where God's word is imparted. This is where the whole diocese and the whole local church is united with the bishop. And in that sense, the parish churches are just really actually minor subsidiaries. So the whole church centers physically and focus in that location where the priests are ordained, where the bishop consecrates the chrism for, in Holy Week for all of the anointings at baptism, at confirmation, at ordination, uh, throughout the, for the whole diocese. And it's done every year on Holy Thursday is a traditional date for that and blessing, anoint, and consecration of the chrisms, of the oils for the, for the anointings that are carried out. The word anointing is chrism, christening, Christ, Messiah, anointed one. And the cathedral is the place where that happens. So our life, when I was anointed as, uh, in my baptism, I was uh, given the, the oil of catechumens and the oil of, of um, for the baptized. And then afterwards, when I was ordained a priest, when I was confirmed. And th th so my life comes from the cathedral. 
You see how important the cathedral becomes in the diocese and the priests, all your priests who serve in your parishes were ordained there typically. There are sometimes exceptions. But I think we may have lost the importance spiritually, not just of aesthetic beauty or dominant building like St. Patrick's in New York, which is very famous and many, many places in the world, very beautiful cathedrals, which is proper because they highlight the importance of the grace that flows from the altar that nourishes people in the drought of our burnt out world, that continually needs renewal, otherwise we are a cinder. And we need to come to life and flourish and bear fruit, and that's where the, the grace flows from the altar. This, and what's the altar? is the sacrifice of Christ. And so each cathedral actually makes present the mystery of Christ. And some major cathedrals in the world are very important because the one in Rome particularly is the link directly to Peter and Paul. And so the whole Western Christianity looks very much to this Church of Rome, which was the first officially uh, organized and possible uh, built, the church was underground beforehand. And so this is a very important feast day for all of Western Christianity, and this is why it's on the calendar for the universal church. Your own parish church is just on your local calendar, not even for the diocese. Your cathedral dedication is for the whole diocese where you live. But this one is for the whole Western church, and it also speaks to the unity of the church with the teaching of the Bishop of Rome, who happens to be the Holy Father. And he is Bishop of Rome because he, I mean, he is Holy Father, the Pope, because he is Bishop of Rome. And this is a wonderful teaching. So this feast day also helps us to grow in our ecclesial sense, not just in our piety, that we get grace personally, that I was baptized in my church, that I was confirmed, that I was ordained, but actually that we are all one body in Christ, the spouse of Christ. And this uh, speaks very much about the mystery of the church. So we have a lot to ponder, consider, and pray for in this occasion. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to learn more about Magdala, follow us on YouTube and on Facebook.